Hi, I'm Tracy. And I'm Alaman. Welcome to Bring It All Back. It seems like we get news about a new reboot or revival every week. And as television and film lovers, we are here to talk about as many of them as we can. What's coming back, what we hope will return, and what should absolutely not return. That is before they bring it all back. I'm so excited you guys are back. Hi guys, we're back. We're back. It's it's September. It's September it is, element. <laughs> it is September. It's September. It's September. It's September. Fall. I mean, I do love fall. Honestly, like, get me to the end of the year, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> let's just jump on in. Get me to the end of the year. Get me to 2021. I'm just, I'm over it. I'm over it a way that, like, I don't think I can put into words anymore. I'm just like, I don't <laughs> want to talk. Everyone's like, 20. I'm like, I don't want to hear the word. I don't want to hear the numbers, 2020. I don't want any more $20 bills in my wallet. Like, I'm just like, done. I don't want to hear about it no more. We're over the sleep. number. I want to sleep. I want to <laughs> sleep and wake up and on December 31st and just like let the, ugh, anyway. But to more relevant matters, um, what have you been watching or enjoying? Um, I watched the VMAs, which happened uh, a couple of days ago when you're listening to this being released. Um, and it was weird. Like, I, you know, I've seen a lot of those kind of reunion-y type concerts or benefits that people had been doing at the beginning of quarantine. But I think this is the first award show that I watched since uh, quarantine started. And it was, it was just weird. I don't know. Did you watch it? I did. I loved the visuals, like where Kiki was and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But I just, the rest of it just seemed so odd i mean this is the thing they did the best that they could i think my problems with it have nothing to do with the social distancing like the socially distanced production of it all but i will say chloe and hallie ate chloe and how they ate i mean they ate everybody up and they put them in the pre-show and i was like what are y'all doing yeah how dare yeah. y'all i had to watch that on twitter yeah, I didn't understand the pre-show stuff either. I just thought it was like I, I was reading this Vulture article that basically described it as like, like one of those weird moments where it's like you're all trying to pretend like you're in the same area, but a lot of that stuff was pre-recorded, and it just felt very dystopian. But it's it makes me interested to see how the Emmys are going to go this year. So that's what I've been watching mainly, and then I've just been like watching movies that I've been meaning to catch up on for years, but nothing too interesting. What are what have you been? watching or doing in the last two weeks since we spoke i've been spending a lot of time on twitch um truthfully just like watching people playing games like community games with people that are streaming it's been a lot of fun but as for the vfas i will say the bet awards did something similar and they did it a lot more smoothly the i mean the thing about it is like the artists that they had were the artists that they should have had and that's not something i could say for the vmas outside of like you know, BTS and like Gaga and Ariana, I think some of the choices were a little, what are we listening to? But um, also, speaking of jarring, strange, out of nowhere news, we can slide on into our love it or leave it because (laughs) what are people doing out here? So just in case anybody hasn't seen it, Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup could be making a very adult return. So 
So apparently there's a new reboot in development. And this time they're going to be adults. Uh, the CW is developing this reboot from Diablo Cody and Heather Ragnar. Um, Warner Brothers Television and Greg, and Greg Berlanti's production company are producing Greg Berlanti, who pretty much is behind all of the shows on the CW. Uh, so there's that. This version will find the three heroes as disillusioned 20-somethings who are very resentful of spending their childhood fighting crime. The world is going to need them to save, save it again. But this time, agreeing to get them to suit up is not the guarantee it would have been in the past. So, the Powerpuff Girls. They've decided to reboot the Powerpuff Girls. Yes. For background, the initial cartoon ran from 98 to 2005 for six seasons. Then there was a movie in 2002. And then the there was an animated revival that started in 2016 and ran for a couple of seasons and ended in 2019. And now, in 2021, you may be seeing them fly back onto your screens in a live-action adult reboot. So I actually didn't realize that it was an animated reboot in 2016. So that's actually really, I learned something new every day. Um, what are, are you on the love it or leave it side of this? It's been quite the journey. Initially, I was very, very team leave it. I was like, y'all have no business. Leave them girls alone. Like, find something new. And then I read the log line again. And I was like, to be honest, I'm not mad at it. Because, like, I'm not... So let me be clear. I'm not like, love it. I want to watch it. I'll watch all the episodes. Like, that's not where I'm at. But this is the kind of reboot that I'd be interested to see like how it shakes out because if you think about it honestly like the cartoon wasn't operating on this level but like y'all forced these kids to save the world i mean it's like a fun cartoon thing you know what i mean like it's a fun show but like in reality that is i mean you're forcing children to risk their lives to save their city and like it's cute and like funny and i thoroughly enjoyed it as a kid but i think it does make for an interesting idea for a show i don't know that like the show will be amazing. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But it it does make for an interesting idea. That's kind of where I've landed. So I'm not team leave it, but I also am not loving it just yet. How do you feel? I am squarely on team love it. Now, when you when I first saw this news, I also was a little bit like, okay, I don't know because Greg Berlanti has has lots of highs and lows throughout his career, and I say this being a fan of a lot of work that people are very familiar with. Dawson's Creeping, one of them. I'm still watching Riverdale. Um, but reading the logline and then thinking about it, because I loved Powerpuff Girls growing up. Like, I, you know, I didn't have cable growing up, but they did run the older, like, beginning seasons, um, like, on Saturday mornings and stuff like that on mm-hmm. on regular network TV. Uh, huge fan. And when I read the logline, similar to you, and then really thought about this series, I was like, you know what? I'm down for it. Because what I what I want to see out of this is that updated kind of, you're right, the whole thing about how you force children to save the world. Like that actually has a lot of parallels to, I think, the ways that we tr- treat or potentially have treated younger generations of like, you guys are the future. You guys are going to save the planet, blah, blah, blah. And yet the people who are in the generations above us have tended to always leave messes behind, right? And I feel like 
this has the potential to do that kind of storytelling while also maybe injecting some humor and some, you know, like the classic CW kind of superhero kick-ass stuff. I was thinking specifically about there's there's one episode of Powerpuff Girls that I am very familiar with and remember it's the Sandman episode where uh, the girls have to defeat the Sandman who decides that he's tired of having to do his job all the time and tries to put the whole world to sleep forever. And the girls end up kind of going into their own nightmare. Like they have to they have to battle their way out of their nightmares. And there's the scene where Bubbles is like really cocky and Buttercup is like, careful Bubbles, your ego is showing. And Bubbles is like, wait, what? Where? And I think I thought that was like the funniest thing when I was a kid. And I just think like those moments, like I think there's something really special about this cartoon and about the story that they were trying to tell that had layers that were beyond just like three cute little girls try to fight you know, save the world and fight crime and stuff like that. You know, there's this whole storyline with the Rowdy Rough Boys that they have to defeat. Like, I'm 100% all in on this. I, I'm i already, like, excited about the ideas of the stories they can tell about these essentially disillusioned 20-year-olds, as the logline says. Um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to watch this whenever they get to make it and release it to the world. Absolutely. Do you have anything else for Love It or Leave It today? Um, I don't, except for just like a small update to a past Love It or Leave It we talked about. It might have been in the last episode. HBO Max announced that they were reuniting the Fresh Prince cast for like an unscripted reunion that was just announced this week. Um, so that's kind of a just like a fun addition to the Bel Air uh, reboot we were talking about in the last episode. So yeah. And they're doing the same for your beloved West Wing cast yes, as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I finished the West Wing finally. I'm right on time as we finished it, my sister and I, as we finished it, HBO Max announced this West Wing reunion, and I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah, so we're getting even more reunions in quarantine. And now we can go on to our main topic of discussion, which is a show that we've both discussed loving very much on a number of episodes, in fact, and that is One Day at a Time. So... Just to kick things off, a little background information. The original series was created by Whitney Blake and Alan Mannings. Um, and they were both actors who then went on to write, to create the show. And it's about a woman named Bonnie, who's a divorced mother raising two teenage daughters. It was developed by Norman Lear, who approached Sony with the idea of reimagining this reimagining the reboot so the original ran for over 200 episodes during its nine seasons on tv from 1975 to 1984 and then of course in 2017 netflix blessed us with the new one day at a time so i want to kick things off with Asking you, Tracy, how familiar were you with the original series? I was not familiar with it at all. Um, I don't really remember it kind of being a part of my like general awareness when it came to television. I will admit that when it comes to TV from like seventies and eighties, um, all I know is basically what my parents watched, and they never really talked about One Day at a Time, so I wasn't familiar with it until. I started watching the Netflix reboot and then I looked it up and became more familiar, I guess, with the original show. But I've I've never like seen a full episode. Yeah. So I like we had family friends that were really obsessed with daytime TV 
And so for me, the only thing I really knew was that Valerie Bertinelli was on the show. Like that was where she got her start. And she was the breakout star of the original series, as far as I knew. Uh, and she played with the younger daughter, like Bonnie's youngest daughter on the show. And that was pretty much all I knew. Moving on from that, I wanted to circle over to the differences between the two shows. Because the thing that I find really interesting is, the, I mean, obviously the show is very different. The new reboot focuses on a Cuban-American family. And the original obviously did not. It was a white middle class family. But I think... What I find pretty interesting is that they're just, it's another middle class family. I think all of the differences from the show and the storylines it tackles, you know, come from the focus of the new family. But to me, it just makes sense to have, like, if you're telling the story of another middle class family, like, that's what they're going through. And that kind of, I think the difference is maybe in the way it delves into those topics from what I've seen of the original. But, you know, they're just like, it's a family nonetheless. But, you know, instead of having two daughters like Bonnie did, Penelope has a daughter and a son. And they also have that extra intergenerational storyline by adding, you know, Rita Moreno's Lydia as the grandmother of the family. And so it tells the kind of like the three generational story versus the two. And those kind of small changes really give us some of the amazing storylines and make those possible. And they really get to delve into just like so much more of this family's life through making those, you know, very small tweaks. Yeah, I think what's really smart about this reboot is, and I've seen I've seen people fall on both sides of uh, liking this and then not so much liking it, right? Because when it comes to similarities between the uh, original series from the 70s to this new Netflix one, there's not a ton of similarities besides... Uh, you know, the character of Schneider being the same name um, and being landlord of this apartment building, uh, the basic concept of a single mother moving into an apartment complex and trying to raise her family. Uh, and then you have, like, you have the same kind of dealing with topical issues of the day. But what I think is really smart is using Norman Lear's, I mean, Norman Lear was very involved in this reboot. Um, his production company, Actory Productions, uh, I think initially approached Sony with the idea of possibly a reboot and has been uh, very vocal in his support of this new series. What I think is smart is that they did use this opportunity to tell the story of a middle-class family in America that is the America of the 21st century, right? It's not, oh, well, this was originally a white family in Indianapolis, so it should be another white family in some you know, Midwest state or whatever. And again, not that there's anything wrong with telling those types of stories, but using the name recognition of one day at a time to introduce a uh, Latino family in LA. Like, it's really nice that you have a show that's set in LA that actually has a cast that reflects the diversity of the uh, city and the region. You also have the elements of Penelope being a veteran. You have, um, you know, you mentioned Rita Moreno's character. You have the story of immigration. In season two, there's a whole citizenship kind of a story arc. There are all these layers to the new series that I think really enhances the opportunity to tell a like very American story. And this is an America in the show that reflects the America that we actually live in today. It is one that is very diverse. Yeah, I think it's really smart. You know, you mentioned kind of Penelope's military background and how they explored that on the show. And 
the way they do it is they have the very like American quote unquote problem of, you know, life for soldiers once they're home and PTSD and dealing with those issues. And then you also have the context of Penelope's mom and kind of like her commentary and opinions on the issue to kind of get both sides in each story. And it's not split up. It's not there isn't like a here's an episode about her reaction and like connecting to her Cuban roots. And here's an episode about like Penelope dealing with it as which is like just about her being in the military and just about dealing with those issues. It's all in there together. And I think that gives people kind of something to latch onto but also a very interesting mix of what life looks like for, you know, people of color, for people who have different backgrounds. Like it isn't just, there aren't these distinctions with which how, you know, how your life is laid out. Your issues are the issues of every part of your identity. I think the show does a good job of exploring all of them simultaneously. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I mentioned that there are some people I've seen, I saw some early criticism of the show when it first started back in 2017 people were like well why call this a reboot then because like there's so few similarities it's not like you're using the same names of all the main characters and even like the the family structure has changed a little bit i did see some criticism of that of like why call it a reboot why not just like launch a show that's like a new show or whatever um what do you think about that criticism but that's specifically why I started the conversation the way that I did, saying that like while the shows are obviously very different, when you look at the mechanics of the show, there isn't that much of a difference apart from like, I mean specifically the family makeup. Like take away all of like the details and like what those choices give us, and instead of a mother with two daughters and a, and a you know a landlord, you have a mother, a daughter, and a son, and her mom that live with her, and I think those very small changes to the format are in line with what the original show was. It's a show about middle a middle-class family, and that's what this is, the show about a family and what they go through. I think all the differences come from those tweaks and come from, you know, the reimagining of the show. But it is the show on its very basic level. This is not a show that's hyper-specific. We're not talking about like Harry Potter or a franchise that had all these little details that made it, you know, iconic or memorable. It's a comedy about a middle, it's a comedy about a family. It is similar in the ways that you need it to be for a reboot. The difference is because you have a new perspective, the show is very different. If you had made this new show about a father a single father who was divorced and his kids, it would be very different Mm -hmm. because it's a different makeup. But it is, in and of itself, at its basic core, a show about a family, and that's what it is. And that's why I framed the conversation at the start the way that I did because, like, yeah, it's very different. It's unique. It's funny. It's great. But it is a a show that was rebooted. And I think the fact that Norman Lear has been so supportive of it has you know, came to Sony and said, I want to reimagine this show is enough for people to be like, yeah, it's a reboot of the show. Whether you like it or not, whether you, you know, wanted to see another show about a white family, that's your business. But if the person who developed the show is like, I want to reimagine it, but keep the core values in it a family, then you watch the show, decide if you like it or not, and you keep it pushing because it is a reboot, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think that, like, I I think it's hard whenever we, and 2017 was, as we have noted in the past, 
just in general, a time when it felt like every day there was a new reboot coming out and people were like, why are we rebooting everything? I mean, that's kind of why we started our podcast. And I think looking at the definition of like what a reboot is and how a successful one works, like I think one day at a time is a really good example because it's not like it was copied and pasted straight from the 1970s, you know? Um, It was updated and it was reimagined and reimagined in a way that makes it its own unique thing that like you didn't have to be familiar with the original show like I very much enjoyed the world I stepped into when I first watched the first season in 2017 not knowing the original show yeah and then I think it's important to discuss you know what we like about reboot or not wherever whatever side you fall on this that discussion even though you know where I where we firmly stand it's a good show. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about what we like about it, just like as a really fun comedy outside of, I know we've discussed kind of like some of the topics it delves into, but I think for me, the one thing I definitely want to make some time to talk about is like they added that third, you know, generation with Rita, Rita Moreno's Lydia and truly just my favorite character on the show. I love Lydia so much. And I think adding that little tweak to the original show and adding that third layer, that third generation just brought so much to it because it is kind of an insular show about this family. And if you're not part of the family, like you're, you're in and out, you have some of those like recurring characters and a few main main characters outside of the family, but it really is about them. And I think outside of, you know, Penelope and her kids interactions and their interactions with one another, I think adding Lydia specifically with just kind of how, wild and fun and out there and just kind of like bold she is really has these very specific relationships with each of the family members that just add something really great to the show i agree i think that there was also some i was reading a lot of the criticism because i wanted to know both sides of it um, online and some people were worried at first that the character of lydia might come off like a caricature but i think this is classic sitcom in that like i think they do it in a way that doesn't make her the butt of the joke and she has some really strong moments and really strong storylines that are not only funny but poignant i also think it's important sometimes to have a third party in a discussion because especially whether it's a family show or something else like you'll have characters that fall on like one side or the other in an argument or on a topic or you know whatever you're examining especially on a show like this that kind of delves into all these different topics i think what lydia functions as just like as a character on the show is if there's a really adult topic, she has that conversation with her daughter versus her daughter having to have that conversation with her kids or like, you know, Schneider all the time. Mm-hmm. There's that. And then there's also the fact that if her and her kid Penelope and her kids are having some sort of issue, Lydia's there to either, you know, like make it funny or side with one or the other or talk to both of them um, to kind of see the other person's side or to see her side, you know, to bring in a whole third opinion to the conversation. And she does it with her own kind of like her take and her, you know, energy and her fun and she'll get serious if she needs to. And those really great emotional moments because Rita Moreno is incredibly talented. But I think that's what helps the show. But she can also, you know, go off and have her own adventures and be, she's this like fully formed, really entertaining character. Don't understand social media. No, Abuelita, no, no. Uh, I do. What you have to do is find a boy and twat at him. I hope you mean tweet. Twat, tweet, the same thing. Not the same thing, mommy. Yeah, I think about 
whenever you have like a family sitcom or a family show and how sometimes characters that are older, they tend to write them without the kind of substance that I think they give to Lydia. So like, for instance, in the second season, like the, the second season finale is very focused on Lydia and, mm-hmm. um, you know, health problems that she has. And whenever I see those kinds of moments, and I've seen them in past, you know, sitcoms, I think about things like Full House or The Nanny, things like that. Like, you you don't really care for those um, character-centric shows that aren't about, like, your main three characters maybe and i think what's nice about the way that they do it in one day at a time is that when i get a lydia centric episode or a lydia centric storyline i'm also thinking about her reaction to elena's coming out um and sort of how she struggles with kind of trying to understand that versus her own religious faith and background like it doesn't ever feel like lydia's functioning as a filler of any sort or like a distraction. Like I, I genuinely care about what this character is thinking and doing and off on her own adventures or whatever. Like it feels like she can, and and this is also just because Rita Moreno is so incredible. She can carry that in a show like this very well. Yeah. And then you mentioned a little bit, so I guess we can talk about it now. Um, One of the, one of my favorite storylines is, you know, Elena's coming out story. It's just, I realized that if I was going to be into a boy, it would be Josh. I mean, he's cute and he's sweet and he's such a gentleman, but I feel more when I look at a picture of Kristen Stewart than I do when I kiss him. And it does start in the first season, you know, after it's an episode later in the first season uh, where porn is found on Alex's computer, Penelope's son, and the family kind of like works to find out who Penelope needs to have this sex talk with which leads to Elena's coming out. And what I do like about it, first and foremost, is that it's not a coming out episode. She comes out, and then the rest of her, it's like built into her character. It's, it's you know, their reactions, their, their, the family processing it, kind of Elena coming to terms with who she is and figuring it all that out, her first relationship, and all of these things, it's built into the show. It goes, you know, throughout the character's series arc and I think that's what you need more of it's not just like this moment and then everything changes but like it's this moment and then the world is different within that person within their family whether biological or chosen and I think the show does a very good job of you know arcing that out and not just making it this like here's this one powerful episode and then we're going to move on to the next topic it infuses that to the storytelling. Right. The quote unquote very special episode that shows tend to do, especially family centric shows or sitcoms where you'd have 23 episodes in a season, but there'll always be that one that is like the serious episode. Um, mm-hmm. and I agree. I mean, this storyline of Elena coming out, um, you know, you mentioned that episode where they find porn on Alex's laptop. Elena starts thinking about whether or not she actually likes boys a couple episodes before that. It's in the episode where um, Penelope is trying to get a chiropractor appointment and she's on hold the entire episode with the Veterans Affairs Department and she's trying to, she just keeps getting put on hold. And it's sort of the comic effect of, you know, we see this before Friends in an episode like this where you have one character who is just on the phone the entire time and constantly getting put on hold while they're trying to do other things in their life and the characters kind of revolve around that. So Penelope is doing that and you have a moment where Elena is supposed to watch the phone for Penelope and she starts musing out loud about whether or not she is actually into boys or not. And I found that sort of threading of her. Uh, storyline and that aspect of her character 
to be very impactful because by the time you finally get to the part where Elena does come out, like it feels like this earned opportunity for you as the viewer to like breathe a sigh of relief with Elena and you feel very invested by the time you get to that moment. And it's so true and reflective of, I think, real life and real experiences because coming out is not a one day (laughs) experience where you have a very special episode or very special day about it and then you move on and everything is fine after that this is a story that continues to develop over the seasons and you see it threaded through multiple seasons for sure and then i rewatched the hollywood reporter comedy showrunner roundtable from a few years ago and gloria calderon colette who developed the new series along with mike royce was talking about the storyline and they were discussing kind of the queer writers on their staff, Michelle Badillo and Becky Mann, who were really a huge part of making sure that was authentic and done with care and done correctly. And then she went on to discuss how she sat down with Isabel Gomez, the the actress, and her family because she wanted to make she wanted to see how they would feel about the whole thing. It's obviously it goes to show how much they thought about the storyline before putting it to page or a screen. There's going to be reaction. There could be reaction online. Um, there could be, you know, people could be homophobic and just like not be down with the story that we're going to be telling and the direction we're taking the character. And I think the fact that they thought it out that far, the fact that they built it in the show the way that they did, to me, is how you know, in my opinion, how you're supposed to do it, like how it's done well, because you're thinking about it from the outset and throughout. Yeah, definitely. I think having that representation behind the screen is always going to add something, add, add a different layer and in a positive way, like an authentic layer to the story you're trying to tell. And that kind of thought process behind it, I think is really important. Yeah, because I think Elena's storyline goes beyond being like the first or goes beyond being kind of like something that we don't see often. It's just like good TV. I think that is sometimes we get wrapped up in the accolade of it all. And one day at a time doesn't do that with anything that it does. But I think sometimes you'll be like, oh, it's going to be the first, you know, fill in the blank thing that we want to see on TV. And that's wonderful. Representation is great. But the other thing people want is they want it to be done well. And mm-hmm. I think that's always that's not always the case. It is some, it is hit or miss. And I think this is an example of the time they hit it out of the park. Yeah, I, you know, speaking of kind of the ways that they've threaded these stories, I think one of the things that really drew people to the series and kind of helped them see the kind of uh, stories they were trying to tell and the kind of series they wanted to be was the fact that all of the first season episodes and season two both were on Netflix. Um, actually, season one, two, and three were all on Netflix. And so they all those episodes dropped at the same time. I will admit that having that experience, having all 13 episodes kind of all at once for the first season made me love, the, like helped me really love the show. Not that I don't like watching week to week, but I feel like there was something really special and the show benefited from being able to release everything all at once. I think you're right. It's a nice introduction for a show like this. I mean, obviously they did it for the first three seasons, but at the start, they laid out the whole first season because each episode essentially is like tackling a thing going on in their lives, right? But over the course of the first season, you get to know all of them. You get to know what's going on in their lives. You get a full picture that a half hour can't give you. 
it can give you great storytelling, wonderful moments, great character moments, you know, like really great laughs. But it's hard to get a full sense of very complex characters in 30 minutes. And I think dropping it at the start the way that they did was really helpful. And I'm so that's why I'm thankful they got those first three seasons on Netflix. Yeah, I am too. And I, I say this also fully admitting that I have not caught up on the most recent season, which moved to Pop TV after Netflix canceled it, which I still think is a huge mistake on Netflix's part. Um, but the series did move to Pop TV earlier this spring, and they only were able to air six episodes because they, they, they only were able to film six episodes. And so they aired those. Their seventh episode was an animated special, and then it's been put on hold. Um, but then CBS is actually going to be airing all of those episodes starting in October. So hopefully that will open up the audi- the audience even wider or open up the show to a wider audience. For sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. So while Tracy and I both love the show, um, that mo- that bit of recent news, which is that the show is going to be on CBS, kind of had it hop up to the top of our slate of episodes. And so CBS will begin airing it on October 12th with back-to-back episodes of the fourth season which as tracy mentioned aired on pop tv yeah so one last bit of business and that is the funny i wanted to take a moment i do think one day at a time does a lot of things very very well i mean the storylines are great we we talked about elena's coming out story we talked about great characters like lydia but all in all it's also just a really really funny show so i wanted to talk about some of the funniest moments or kind of our favorite moments on the show to wrap up our conversation about this wonderful gem of a show yeah so one of my favorite storylines that kind of go, uh, lasts over a few episodes actually probably longer than that um now i'm blanking on what season it was it's when elena starts shadowing schneider <laughs> on how to like like be a handy person basically because like Uh, Schneider has to go around and like part of your job is taking care of this building and the tenants is to replace light fixtures and fix things or whatever and I I love that pairing because it's so unexpected to have Elena and Schneider do things together like in some ways um you kind of got it established in the first season that Schneider takes Alex to baseball games and you know when when their father comes back for the stretch of episodes in season one that he does um Schneider gets a little bit uh, weary about being around them because um, he senses some jealousy uh, that he's the one who's been kind of like a surrogate dad in some ways for Alex. And so you kind of naturally see those two connect. You obviously see Schneider and Penelope as friends. Uh, but to see Schneider and Elena together, like I just, I'm such a sucker for weird mismatched pairings of characters doing crazy adventures. And I just think it's one of the funniest storylines. Yes, I do love an unexpected dynamic duo it's one of my favorite tv things for sure Uh, for me what i really i mean obviously i am lydia's biggest fan through and through but i think anytime someone says something to her and she twists their words to turn it back around on them in just like this really dramatic fashion is truly just some of the the moments that have me rolling around like for example there's an exchange where Penelope's basically just saying, like, they have to watch their diets, like, specifically watch their sugar because her father had diabetes. And Lydia turns it around and asks, so I killed your father? And it just, it's so unnecessary, but it's just 
hysterical. Like, nobody's blamed her for anything. Like, she just took it upon herself to throw that back at her. And it's just very, very funny. And then Penelope has a bunch of lines that, like, really speak to just kind of, like, my upbringing. Like, I'm not, I mean, I'm not Cuban-American in, in, in the slightest, but um, some of those just, like, attitudes and ideas that were a part of my household. So, like, there's the time that Alex spends all that money on uh shoes and she says she's like three hundred dollars for a pair of shoes they better come with two hundred and eighty dollars stuffed in them and it's just like so funny um, so i love those moments and then i do love i mean i'm a sucker for a good like pop culture reference or joke so there's that time that they're at the funeral and alex compares it to the walking dead because all of these well, i think it's like the walking dead of aunts or something like that because all of these like, women are just, like walking over to him and kissing him and stuff and you know during the funeral and then my favorite is where alex says that a ton of successful people have smoked weed like he's trying to convince i mean trying to convince penelope that it's not a huge deal and it's like barack obama steve jobs oprah and penelope goes unemployed dead and gail just said that to get ratings and it's just (laughs) i love it because like it just brings you into it if you get the reference and i do think that the show does a good job of that, and I think it's a great example of that, and it's a personal favorite of mine. There's um an episode, I think it's in season two, where they're at the school auction, and Lydia's hurt her ankle, so she but she's trying to auction off dance lessons, even though she's not supposed to, and she's like walking around in these dance shoes that have heels, but she has to hide it from the family because they told her she wasn't allowed to and this does lead to like a very touching moment where elena is basically like i don't want you to die like i want you to take care of yourself but the way that rita moreno plays it of trying to pretend like she's not dancing and like walking around in these ridiculous heels um is so funny (laughs) but yeah so is there anything else you want to add about the show um nothing else other than i really hope that um people when it hits cbs and people might see a couple episodes they'll go back to netflix watch from the beginning if they haven't seen it um i want the show to have a as big of an audience as it deserves and um you know disappointed that netflix did not continue that forward but hopefully it getting its the cbs treatment um opens up more doors for it yeah and then just before we end i do want to mention a couple of small things i know we focus on kind of like overall the storytelling and some of the great character arcs but i do want to mention justina machado's work as penelope is truly just it i've watched her on a bunch of shows you know i mean the one that stands out just at the top of my head is when she was on private practice as tay Diggs's love interest in the final season and she plays this like really badass nurse who is so funny and just like really comes for this really horrible her really horrible boss, who was also one of the main characters on the show, one of the one of the fan favorites. So it's really just like a testament to her skill that she's able to kind of create that pairing very quickly. But you know, her being the lead and her being the the front of this to kind of get that opportunity to show off her talent in this way is just really important. And I definitely wanted to mention that before we um if we're gonna have a conversation about the show, uh, and she's just great i mean the emotional moments when she's dealing with kind of like ptsd and like getting help and all those things and also like the really fun moments with her kids and her mom and her and schneider that dynamic is hysterical but then as we mentioned with elena's coming out story the kind of work she has to do i mean the work she has to do as penelope to kind of process the information her feelings about it is just a really testament to 
the actress's like ability. Yeah, she's great. I think that her she's in a new Netflix movie that just came out that I haven't yet got a chance to watch um, as well. But uh, with Ali Cravalho, that looks really good. But I I think she's so great, and she really carries this show. Like I mean, she like holds this show up as being its main character and just like is very powerful of a presence and very funny too. I think she's great. All right. Well, that's our show this week. Um, if you have any opinions about One Day at a Time, reboots, revivals, the show, you can let us know by following us on Twitter at B-I-A-B show and email us at bringitallbackshow at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to make sure you're subscribed to Bring It All Back wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. so excited you guys are back.